Test your might. We're back with another new episode of Fractured Skulls. It is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023, a day after Labor Day. It's, it's a very slow week here in our personal lives, so we got time to squeeze in another movie review. Terminator Travis alongside Monoxide. Monoxide, how are you doing this fine evening, sir? Well, speak for yourself when it comes to slow, because some personal shit came up. I'll tell you off the air, but yeah, otherwise, there really isn't anything going on. And this is probably the first time we did a back to back interview or podcast, I would say. Yeah, you are correct. I think the first time ever, yeah, we've done back to back like this. It never happens. We rarely have, rarely we ever record two episodes in the same week. It's true, because usually after work, I'm tired, I just want to sleep, or I have to talk to the better half. And in your case, I'm assuming you get tired when you get home. Yeah, I just want to eat, watch TV, and then basically call it a night. Yeah, the older you get, the more it's just like, fuck it. Just lay down and sleep. Yeah. I'm getting to that point. Like, remember when we were watching the pay-per-view Sunday, and... There was a dude that was like 37. He said that at 11 o'clock, he already feels tired. Sucks. Getting older. Yeah, that's what freaking aging does to you. Life sucks, and then you die. (laughs) And it's such good shit. Well, um, we don't actually have no news stories since we did all the news stories on our last podcast, which was uh, as of this recording yesterday that we did it. So I guess the only thing to do really is to go straight to the movie review. We're going to be talking about today. And um, this was um, a movie of my choice because I know you're a big Mortal Kombat guy. And I'm a pretty, I'm a big Mortal Kombat guy myself. We grew up on the live action films. And now we have a um, animation adaptation of Mortal Kombat uh, titled Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Now, um, it is now oh, going over the plot real quick. Hanzo Hasashi loses his family during an attack by a rival clan, Delinque. He is given a chance to compete in an interdimensional tournament to save his loved ones while other fighters try to save the Earth realm from annihilation. Obviously, the storyline for this movie borrows elements from the game, of course, borrowing the storyline from Mortal Kombat 1, probably uh, some from Mortal Kombat 2. But um, this film kind of has two storylines going for it. One, of course, uh, about Scorpion, and the other storyline about the, uh, of course, the Earthlings trying to save the uh, Earth realm from the bad guys. Yeah, and I was—it it was quite weird because uh, I guess there was one that that really intrigued me, but I guess it gets explained in another film, but. Yeah, this is just virtually an animated version of what we would get either on the the live-action screen or what you would have known from the video games themselves. Yes. But now, I guess, you know, you don't have this big studio head over... over, over. The thing about WB Animation, I feel like they have more creative freedom what they want to do. You know, instead of having to worry about a studio head, you know, telling them what to do, do this, do that. Could be because it's animation. Could also be because this is kind of like straight to DVD. They're like, oh, they don't have to worry about. Or did it just go straight to this app here? Well, it's on. It's been released on Blu-ray, DV, Blu-ray and DVD. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you want, you could call it straight to the app. Or you know, I still call it straight to DVD now because it's just that's how it's been for so long. I guess however you want to look at it, they didn't get a theatrical release, and if they did, it was probably a very limited uh, screening. When this was released, this was released in April 26th of 2020, so there would have been no way in hell this was going to be in theaters, because this was just a month after, how do you call it? The live-action remake. No, no, no. What was the thing that pretty much shut down the whole entire world? Oh, the unspecified virus of unknown origin. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened. Plus, at the same time, I think it was around April of 2020 that the we got the new Mortal Kombat, I guess, reboot reboot happened. I don't know if I really call it a remake, but more like a retelling of the Mortal Kombat lore. So, in a way, I guess this animation movie was made, or at least came out, to try to cash in off of the live-action remake. I just said it. Reboot. Uh, actually, the, the reboot came out in 2021. 
Oh, twenty twenty. Okay. Yes, that came out twenty twenty one. It came out. Yeah, it came out April twenty twenty one. But this movie here, Scorpion's Revenge, came out in twenty twenty. But this does look like when I watched it, it reminded me of some of the Batman animated movies that went straight to DVD. Yes, yeah, it was done as I mentioned. It was done by the same studio, WB Animation. Hmm. Which, if you can't think about it, they're probably one of the better animation studios going on today. They're doing better. They're better than Pixar. Well, what has Pixar done lately? Uh, but, uh the, the last movie they did was Lightyear. Okay, you made your point. <laughs> well, hold up. Would that movie have stunk as bad if Tim Allen was doing the voice? Yes, but I think having Tim Allen in it would have increased the numbers slightly. Hmm. But of course, they're not. They didn't cast him out because of his political views. I'm not sure why that freaking matters, but this is Disney, and they love being woke. Yeah, but it's not even like Tim Allen was ever straight up open, like like super hardcore into it. Well, yeah, it's not like, like, like he went out of his way to give his political views. If someone asks him, he'll tell them what he thinks. Right. But, but uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I do have one news story, I guess, before we dive in, and that's about um, brown, white, and the seven pronouns. Brown, white, and the seven pronouns. <laughs> I'm assuming that we're talking about Miss Ziegler. Not necessarily about her, but about the movie itself. Rumor has it that some executives are pushing it to go straight to Disney+. Plus. They are afraid. They don't want to lose any more money. They said they're probably just gonna say fuck it. We'll just take, we'll just admit defeat now, and we'll just put it on the app. They did it with freaking Peter Pan, and everybody already forgot that that movie even exists now. So, with all the hype that went around, that they're gonna like just throw up their hands and be like, yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> well, there has been hype, not good hype. I didn't say it was good, but think about how many news stories we keep hearing about Miss Ziegler going out there and saying that Snow White is an outdated concept. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure the Europeans love to hear that. Or any, or or even people from Asia would probably love to hear that. Yeah. The, you know what the funny thing is, is that yes, there were complaints because Snow White is technically supposed to be a Caucasian because uh, white is snow, referring yes. to her skin. But it's being played by a Hispanic woman. All right. All that aside, I guess we've learned in society that any roles that were predominantly used by a white person are allowed to be played by a, uh, a minority because fuck white people. I get it. Perfect. So if you ever do a movie and it's about, I don't know, about an Irish king, let's put a fucking uh, an Indian guy in that role. Why not? Who cares? Right? But the whole concept of getting rid of the dwarves because they're dwarves and it's offensive to dwarves or whatever they're... It's, it's, it's offensive to Peter Dinklage. He doesn't want any dwarves getting in any roles in Hollywood except him. Yeah. He wants to be the predominant dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Which, we, can't, we can't hurt his feelings. Which doesn't make any sense because if, let's just say, they did decide to get dwarves for this movie, I mean, as far as I remember after doing my math Peter Dinglish is just one dwarf so you still need six I mean I guess you can duplicate him but it would be a little bit fucking weird not like an Oompa Loompa the, the dwarfs are supposed to be their own characters as opposed to the Oompa Loompas which are all pretty much nameless faceless characters but I just find it funny that you got that and then you had uh, Ms. Ziegler who's supposed to be the main uh, actress to this movie Putting her foot in her mouth. Yeah, I heard saying interviews. I only saw the movie once. I, I I went on the ride at Disney World and it scared me. Wait, what? Yeah, she said this in an interview. Basically, you know, first when she went on late night, I guess you know when she first was getting casted, she's like, oh, I love the movie. I grew up with it. Blah blah blah. You know, basically saying everything. You know, the uh, company wants her to say just to get just to get some hype around the film. And then now she's doing interviews on in this YouTube. It was her and Gail Godot, and she's saying, she's telling a completely different story. I only saw it once, didn't care for it, went on the ride, it scared me, and then that's basically her only exposure to Snow White. So then why'd she take the role? It's not why she took it, it's why did they cast her. Of course she's going to take it, she's going to take it for the money. 
I can't blame her for that. I blame the company. Well, then say, say you took the role for the money. Because not- otherwise, when you're going out there and ridiculing the movie that you're starring in, it just makes it look perplexing. Why would you even take the role in the first place? Now, there's another thing that... Now, I understand, you know, when you sign off for a movie, in, in the contract, you got to promote the film. Whether it's doing red carpets or going on late night or, or uh, Good Morning America, whatever. I understand all that. Now, it's also being reported that they're feeding these lines to Rachel Zegler to say all this by the company themselves. So, so you know, I'm trying to give her some slack, but at so- the same time... And you look at her past tweets going after freaking Gina Carano. Oh, you know, screw her for not respecting pronouns, all that shit. And I'm saying to myself, that's why they casted her. They wanted someone like this. This is who they wanted for the part. They want someone that aligns with their views. Well, part of the the problem is is that she's part of that age rank where she's already been manipulated to think that this is the proper way. She's, what, 22? So she's a Gen Z. She's Gen Z, and they've already been warped onto this viewpoint. So it's yeah, like, late for her now. Well, so, I mean, it's never really too late, but she's been brainwashed. She is totally brainwashed. But why? Hold on. If they're feeding her these lines, supposedly, supposedly, let's just let's preface this by saying that this is entirely true. Why would you harm? Your own movie, especially one that is considered one of the greatest of all time. Why even remake it in the first place? Because this is kind of like if they decided to remake Song of the South. (laughs) Imagine if they tried to remake that and and doing all the shit that they said. Now, granted, Song of the South hasn't ever seen a VHS release or DVD release because of its racial connotations but if you really think that the material that you're working with is so outdated and should not be permissed or be watched by the current audience because of its outdated viewpoint why even spread any sort of acknowledgement to it whatsoever? I don't know if they really feel like everybody in society thinks like this they all have this woke leftist mindset because obviously the woke is has completely taken over Hollywood. Yes, and that is a problem. And it's a major problem because the past several years, every they've been shitting on Trump. They've been making fun of the whole make America great again. It's been affecting all my shows. I've been noticing that too. I'm like, you know, it's always bashing this guy. It's never the other way around. Yeah. And here's the other thing. It's not just affecting that. Literally. One of the franchises, literally the franchise that we're reviewing today, Mortal Kombat, it affected that too. Mortal Kombat 11, they literally had Jax, where his ending, if you beat the game, talks about him going back in time to where slavery never existed and literally saying the line, I'm not going to wait 400 or 200 years for people to get woke. And then you've got freaking Shao Kahn where right before a fight, he literally says the words, I'm going to make Outworld great again. What? And then <laughs> Mortal Kombat 11 also decided that we're going to close up all the females. They can't show any skin whatsoever. It's sexist. It's yeah, like, who, who, what the fuck? Like, like, for example, Katana and her legendary gear, she ain't wearing that. She's fully clothed. That's, I hate that. Do you realize how freaking these beer companies have been selling their beers for so long because women in bikinis? There's a lot of women that are very comfortable showing off their skin. What do you say to all the Instagram Instagram models make a living or try to make a career off of that? What are you trying to say about them? And the funny thing is their their argument is it's because it's promoting unrealistic body expectations. Meanwhile, the male side of the Mortal Kombat characters, they're like ripped with six packs and fucking like literally built like action figures like the ljn wrestling figures back in the 80s it's such horse shit because if that's it's, the case then they would they would put an end to bodybuilding because that's what adult bodybuilding is yeah i was talking to a co-worker of mine earlier and apparently he was telling me that apparently they wanted to ban the song fat bottom girls from queen because fat bottom girls uh and and, and it's funny because you would think that Freddie Mercury, 
who is an icon of the LGBT community, why would you want to ban a song that he made legendary? Uh, you can't ban Queen's music. That's an iconic band. Tell that to the woke community. Fucking stupid. I, but, I hate this. I hate this wokeism with a passion. I hate it. I hate it because it's so... It, it's in the same vein as years ago. This is no different than people saying, oh, we need to ban video games because they're violent. No different. Or telling people that, oh, we got to ban Elvis Presley from wiggling his hips on TV. But at least people would have discussions. Nowadays, it's like you can't even have a discussion. You go on YouTube, you'll see somebody trying to have a discussion with somebody about this stuff. And all they can do is either ad hominem attack or run away from the discussion and stuff like that. That clip you showed me of Jesse Lee Peterson where he's trying to ask a woman about a quote she wrote in a book. And she's like, I don't feel comfortable talking about this. But yet she talked about how the one thing that Republicans and Democrats need to do is at least talk it out and agree to disagree. Yeah, they, they love being inclusive when it comes to skin color, but when it comes to open discussions, being open-minded, no, 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 I don't want to talk about that. You would think that the whole purpose of the Civil Rights Act back in the 60s was to get rid of segregation. Get and rid now of segregation, wanna... get rid of labeling things, and now we seem to be, we want to get back to labeling things. Which is ridiculous, because the whole point of Martin Luther King's speech is, and the most legendary line that seems to go in one ear and out the other, is, I have a dream that my children would be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Because, here's the thing, when you say that black people or whatever are victims, you're already assuming their, their plight based on their skin color. Like, even if it's to put them in a positive light because they're the victims, you're still assuming and uh, based on the color of their skin, which, in my opinion, is racist. Yes. I, I, I just want to know, like, if they decided to remake The Matrix, if, if Morpheus was a, played by a white guy, would there be that mob that says, oh, no, what, what are you complaining about? Who cares if it's played by a white guy? I want to see if they they would have that same energy. They, oh yeah, I know it's 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 hypocrisy. It really here, is. Here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say because this this goes into that vein. If I made a Mortal Kombat movie myself and I had Jax as a character in my movie, nobody but a big buff black dude is going to play that role. I want. I mean, granted, he's not alive. But if Michael Clark Duncan was alive, that would be my Jax. Or uh, who's the guy uh, who played uh, Gamble in Dark Knight? Uh, Michael J. White. There you go. I would have him play Jax. Somebody like that. That is who I want as my Jax. I don't want a fucking white dude. I don't want Arnold Schwarzenegger playing as Jax. Like, come on. Sometimes certain roles are made for certain ethnicities. It's just, you know, you just, you want to stick to the lore. You want to stick to the source material as closely as possible. Yes. That's, that's all it is. That's all we're doing here. It's nothing racial about it. The author that made this story wasn't racial. He didn't have any racial tensions. He was just telling the story and this is the world that he created. And what about Liu Kang? He's supposed to be Chinese. You know, make him into a fucking Indian guy. Exactly. Like, oh. <laughs> like, oh, cause that doesn't matter in the long run. Right. I guess. Uh, according to them. According to them. <sighs> Look. What, they want to change the rules that fits their narrative. Here, here's the bottom line. There was a pro wrestler back in the day named Muhammad Hassan. Played by an Italian man. Who was playing as an Arabic. But at least he was trying to be an Arabic man. We're not talking about a situation here where it's. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. playing a black dude. This is just a whole race swapping just for the sake of it. And when it backfires, they blame everybody. Else. Oh, you're not being supportive. Oh, always, yeah, it's always it's someone else's fault. always play that game. It's always someone else's fault. It's never our fault. We made the right choice. What, what was that, uh, that meme from Principal Skinner? Terrifying. Am I the one who's out of touch? 
No, no it's, it's the other kids who are home. Yep. That's where we are right now. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. No. It's only getting worse. But here's the thing that just baffles me the most. All of that could be bypassed if these movies were making money. They're not making money because all these woke writers hate the source material. That's not why they're not making money. They're not making money because us people are fucking repulsed by it and we're not buying it. Yes, because they changed the source material to make it fit their political uh, standings and their agenda. And we don't want to see that shit. Yeah, which in the long run, what does it matter what your political agenda is? I don't give a shit if you're a fucking Trump supporter. I don't give a shit if you like bumbling fucking out of this world Joe Biden. If you're making a Tekken movie, I want to see Jin Kazama having to train to fight so that he can fight Ogre and get revenge on his father Kazuya and Heihachi and the whole lore. I don't want to hear about Jin Kazama being a fucking straight white male, even though he's Japanese, and that he needs to learn his privilege. And then fucking Zhao Yu, who's supposed to be a, a co-student of his, has to help him check his privilege and be the strong, independent woman that conquers everything. I don't need that shit. Now, the whole point of Hollywood for movies is escapism. Escape mm-hmm. from reality. We want, us to, we want us to spend our disbelief for an hour and a half or however, however long the movie is. Yeah, Take us and, to another world. And here's the thing, people... A non-woke woman, usually the women, I don't want to preface all women in this boat, but I would strongly presume that as a woman who is non-woke, who doesn't like the woke shit, when they want to suspend their disbelief, they want to see a strong masculine man rescue the woman. They would prefer that. Because, believe it or not, there are women who dream of the men sweeping them off their feet. Most all women do. The only, the only ones that don't are the ones that could never get a guy. Because of their personality. Because their ugly personality. Their ugly personality. Before you know it, they're in their mid-30s, mid-40s, surrounded by cats and drinking wine all day. Those yeah. Are people that Hollywood's catering to. Yeah, me. You want to talk about how all men think about his pussy. Well, so do you. But at least the pussy they get pays back. And that is the world we live in today. Yes. But let's uh, let's let's get out of this woke agenda. Yeah. Let's let's, let's get back to our movie review. Uh, Mortal Kombat Legend Scorpios. Scorpios. Yeah. We <laughs> Scorp- might as well just re- rename this podcast Fracturing Woke Skulls. Last <laughs> <laughs> 50, 60 episodes. Oh, man. But it's going to continue because these people are going to keep trying to outdo themselves. Well... Good. You know what? Keep doing it. It gives us material to talk about in the show, and it makes it entertaining. So, Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. I wonder why they called it Legends. Maybe, I guess they just didn't want to call it Mortal Kombat, probably because of the live-action movies. They all use that title. I guess it kind of gave it its own identity, sorts Mortal Kombat is live action. Mortal Kombat Legends animation. All right, fine. Based on the title and based on the uh, the cover of the, you are right. It did go out on Blu-ray and DVD. You would think that the main guy is Scorpion, which it technically is, but as you said earlier, it also does focus on Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sony Blade, Raiden. It pretty much has all the characters. It has Raiden, uh, it has Kano, it has Shang Tsung. Goro, Shao Kahn, Katana, I'm trying to think, Baraka, I think, was there, Reptile. Baraka, Reptile, yeah. And yeah, they're mostly, like, in the background. I'm pretty sure there's more characters. If you look closely during when they're all gathered together, you'll probably see some. Oh, yeah, that guy's in Um, Sub-Zero, I think, I don't think I mentioned him, but uh, one thing I have to rant about before we get to the movie is once a fucking game. Maybe this is just a nitpick of mine. This is something that I've been very heavily critical of the Mortal Kombat franchise since Mortal Kombat 4. I fucking hate the design of Reptile in this movie. Oh, Reptile, this is with the straight up lizard look. I hate that shit. The, rep, the Reptile look. 
Yeah, where he looks like Reptar on Ice, where he's about to swing around and be like, Hey, look, get some kids. Here's some kids on the ice. Like, I like him when he's a ninja. Not the ninja from, I think it was... I, I was gonna say Deadly Alliance, but I think he was a lizard there too. But there was one where he's like half ninja, half lizard. No, I want freaking reptile to look like a fucking ninja. The only time he looks like a lizard is when he takes his mask off. Similar to when Scorpion takes his mask off, he has the skull and the fire. I want reptile to look like a fucking ninja. You've got Sub Zero. He's the blue ninja. Scorpion. He's yellow. Uh, Reptile is green, Ermac is red, Rain is purple. Barna, all you need. Anywho, well, before so, we start, we do have some um, uh, the cast members, some returning cast members. Uh, Patrick Saints return as the voice of Scorpion after his absence from Mortal Kombat 11. Steve Blum, who voiced uh, Quan Lying uh, of Sub Zero Mortal Kombat X, voiced Bihan in the film. Gray Griffin returned as Katana after missing Mortal Kombat X due to her pregnancy. And Goro, who was voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson in the 1995 live-action film, returns to voice Goro again. Yeah, so, literally, it's not a long movie. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Very, very violent movie, which will appease a lot of Mortal Kombat fans, because that's Mortal Kombat's whole entire lore. So, it starts off with... uh, Hanzo Asashi with his son, Satoshi, trying to teach him uh, the way of the scorpion and how they have the will to survive and bullshit and bullshit. Then the Lin Kuei, which is the um, the assassin group, went to attack him, the whole family. And I don't particularly know the motive to this, but it's a big fight scene. Uh, score, uh, Hanzo, but still Hanzo at this point Hanzo pretty much uh, fights them all off and then comes to realize that the Olin Quay murdered his wife he murders everybody else and the way he kills them is pretty good it, it leaves a good impression with the, the way he's killing them he's like slicing heads he's slicing arms so you already know you're in for a fucking treat for this movie and it basically this whole opening scene ends with Sub-Zero grabbing Satoshi, threatening to kill him if Hanzo does not kneel down. He freezes Hanzo and then kills Satoshi and then ends up killing Hanzo and then moving on. So, I'm trying to remember how this movie opened because I think it opened with Liu Kang. Didn't it open with Liu Kang and uh, Raiden? Yes, basically, Raiden was recruiting his um, Earth fighters okay. for the Earth Realm in the tournament. Okay. Yeah, now it's making sense. So, Liu Kang was, like, in his uh, his temple, I guess his dojo. He was meditating, and then that's when Raiden came in and said, You are ready, and I gotta gather up some of my other foes. Then there's Johnny Cage. He's getting laid by some woman, and the woman, like, walks out on him, and... He's just like, eh, whatever. He's just a lazy movie star, I guess you can call it. They made him into a goofball. And then you got Sonya Blade's background where she went into the military and a drill sergeant basically handpicked her to really rag on because she, I don't know if she laughed or whatever. Come to find out. That drill- she, was, she was a female. She was like, yeah, female there. And then you come to find out that drill sergeant was Jax. But. Later on, you come to realize that Jax begins to respect her for her her tenacity, her ferociousness. She's able to withstand all of his, his punishment. So now, they all end up on a boat. Mm. Of course, Johnny Cage plays the dumb goofball. They always make him a dumb goofball, but that's what makes Johnny Cage charming. Is that he's a dumb goofball, and and before I go on, I gotta preface this by saying, because in the early Mortal Kombat games, he would always die. I'm glad in the later ones, since they retold the story, he hasn't died. 
because I always think it was stupid to kill off Johnny Cage because Johnny Cage is meant to be a goofball, but he's supposed to be one of the three most respected fighters of Raiden's selection. Because literally Raiden picked Liu Kang, Sonya Blade, and Johnny Cage because he saw the most potential out of those three. Yeah, so, very yeah. similar to the 95 film, Raiden, they all get selected to fight for this tournament. They all go down the boat. Has elements of that as well from the movie. Actually, this reminds me of, do you remember of an old animated tape that came out in 95 to promote the movie? I don't, but I remember you mentioning it in the past when we were reviewing the live action. Yeah, there's like, it's like animation and then when they do the fight scenes, there's, it's 3D, but it's so outdated because it's 1995 and it looks so horrible compared to today. Um, If I showed that to you, you would instantly see the similarities. Between that and this now meanwhile so they're on the boat and obviously Liu Kang does not see potential in uh, Sonya Blade or Johnny Cage Raiden's trying to remind him that listen Johnny Cage has a destiny he just needs to find it and Sonya Blade has a lot to prove because she's a woman this and the other so meanwhile we're in Nether Realm where Hanzo is completely uh, tied up and all these demons try to attack him. He escapes. He slaughters all the demons. And that's when Quan Chi comes out and offers Hanzo Asashi what was it? Like power or a, a way back to his family? He offered him basically a second chance at life and willing to yeah. give his family as you know, to, to basically do his dirty work. Yes. He needed a key to free Shinnok because Shinnok is a god that was completely thwarted from the elder gods because he was an evil elder god and he wants to help Shinnok. And so, and he saw, I guess they picked a soldier out of Scorpio to represent uh, the nether realm. Or, right. Well, he's or, still Hanzo, but this is where he establishes himself as Scorpion. Scorpion, yeah. This is where the yeah, persona comes in. Yeah, so boat arrives on the... Uh, the island and we get to the i guess the big fight kano's there yeah that's what introduced to all the other fighters or at least the people that we see that are involved we see kano who is um sonya's after because kano's a killer and she, that's basically the main reason she went to this island to get kano that's yeah. what drew her and kano and Jax are about to fight and Jax didn't want any part of this and he wanted to leave and shang Tsung said yeah you can leave because now Shang, Shang Tsung has shown up. It's like, yeah, you can leave, but you have to go through this man. And Goro comes out. Now I'm sitting here saying to myself, okay, either one of two things is going to happen. I'm not going to like either of them if it happens. Either Jax is going to fucking kill Goro right off the bat, which would be fucking stupid because Goro needs to kick some ass first before he dies. Or they're going to kill off Jax, which would be equally as fucking stupid because Jax is a prominent character in this franchise. He shouldn't die. They did not go with either. They went with what I think was a more ingenious way because it does play to his character. They have this fight. Goro pretty much gets the better of Jax and the way the fight ends is uh, Goro rips Jax's arms off. It plays to it because in Mortal Kombat 3 he starts having the metal arms so this would explain how he gets the metal arms I guess in the future films. Now, I know from the original source material, that's not how he lost his arms, right? It wasn't from Goro. I don't think so, no, because Goro was in Mortal Kombat 1, and Jax wasn't in Mortal Kombat 1. He was in Mortal Kombat 2. I remember you telling me, I think it was Ermac that may have fucked up his arms. May have. I'd have to relook at the source material. But but I'm okay with this, how he lost his arms from Goro. It, it puts right. Goro... Goro War is an unstoppable monster. It's uh, it, this is in the same vein of it didn't go with the original source material, but what they went with was just as fine. It's kind of similar to Dark Knight and how they established Two Face when Two Face uh, Harvey Dent part of his face gets hit with the gasoline just as he comes out. Part of the explosion hits his face. It works. So now, so now while this fight is happening, Scorpion is in the back i guess wherever wanting to steal this element this star i believe for uh what's his name 
Quan Chi. That's what Quan Chi wants. But Raiden stopped him, basically gave him like a little pep talk, saying that you can't trust this guy. He's no good. He's just only using you for his own benefit. And then Scorpion uh, basically put it down, and then they left. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Raiden would have stopped that fight with Jax and Goro a lot sooner because technically, this fight is not part of the Mortal Kombat tournament. This is almost like an exhibition, almost like a red carpet kind of fight. Basically, Shang Tsung is, is flexing his muscle here. You know, mm-hmm. basically showing off how big his dick is and using Goro to beat up, basically trying to scare everybody else you know, what they're getting themselves into. As he ripped his arms off, he probably was going to do more harm, but then that's when Raiden stepped in and said, No, 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 you can't do that. This is not part of the fight. So because of that, I could interfere and stop this. And what yeah, I liked so- the, what I liked about this scene is that one thing I wish they would have done more in the 1995 film is that they showed how powerful Raiden can be. Well, they kind of did in 95 because obviously he's all electricity. But so the whole premise is, is that Shang Tsung broke the rules or was breaking the rules. Now, Raiden, the problem is Raiden's not allowed to compete in Mortal Kombat because he's immortal. He's a god. So he's prohibited from interfering when Mortal Kombat begins. However, in situations like this, he's allowed to come in and stop everything. So, yeah, and he comes. Goro wanted to do more damage. He just like flicked his hand, and then Goro just like almost flew to the other side of the room. Yeah. So that's when Mortal Kombat begins. And everybody gets thwarted into different areas. Now, keep this in mind, too. While all this is going on, Johnny Cage thinks this is all an act. He thinks this is a role for a movie. So he's not taking any of this seriously. So he gets thwarted into this world, and now he's got to fight Baraka. Which I don't think they called him. I don't think they ever introduced him as Baraka in this film. But they figure as a fan, you would know who that is. Which I caught on right away. Oh, shit, that's Baraka. So it may not have been Baraka because Baraka is a clan. I forget what they're called. So it may have been somebody of Baraka's clan. Because mm-hmm. Baraka technically didn't get introduced till the second game as well. But then again, Katana's in this and she didn't get introduced till the second game, but I digress. So he ends up beating uh, freaking Baraka, I guess. Sonya Blades in a forest, she fights Reptile, she ends up beating Reptile. Liu Kang gets into a fight with Katana. And this is like literally the only scene of Katana. Yes. Very similar to the 95 film. She had that one scene by Liu Kang and that was it. What are you talking about? And and, uh, Katana, in the original 95 film, didn't she have a fight scene with Liu Kang? And then she, just like this, she kind of forfeited? She forfeited, but she was in the film later on to help the the Earthrealm warriors to defeat Shang Tsung because Shao Kahn took over her, her realm. But here, it's just like she was in this one scene, she forfeited, and then we never saw her again. Mm-hmm. That was my gripe. It was like she's supposed to help the Earthrealm warriors because she's actually the good guy. Yeah. Unlike her sister, Melina. But that's a whole other story. Melina's not in this. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, um, during the closing moments when Johnny Cage defeated uh, Baraka, he said, Toasty. Toasty! Toasty! Yes. Yeah, so, uh, what happens after this? Uh, well, so they win their three fights. Scorpion fights a member of the uh, Lin Quake guy. Because his, mm-hmm. his main objection is, of course, he wants revenge for his family. He wants to wipe out everyone part of the Lin Quake clan along his way mm-hmm. so he yeah. wins his fight and then that's when we meet back up with johnny cage sonya and luke kang and then they figure let's just stick together and then we'll just camp out here for the night until we know we figure out what happens next yeah while that's happening um i'm guessing um shang sung uh raiden and uh Quan chi are watching and then they mentioned that the black and um shang sung is kind of bending the rules here again because members of the black dragon clan are making their way towards the island. They were going to basically wipe out everyone from the Earth realm. And of course, that pisses off Raiden. Yes. So they get through all those members, and then I guess they eventually make it through the temple. But Liu Kang ends up in the room where he's got to fight Goro and Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade end up in the room with Kano. 
because now Johnny Cage knows what his destiny is. He has to go and help Sonya Blade. Which, this scene, well, before we get to that, um, they meet up, they do meet up with Scorpion, and then they teamed up with Scorpion to help wipe out the Black Dragon Clan, and then that's when Scorpion, while, you mentioned while that's happening, Scorpion runs into Sub-Zero. Yes. Okay, yeah, and then they had a fight, and then he kills Sub-Zero. Yeah, they have their mega fight, he kills Sub-Zero, and then comes to realize, oh no, so, when he killed Sub-Zero, it was kind of like a duo kill, like, he... He pushed him off a cliff, and they both went through a spike. And it looked like Scorpion was... Yeah, they were both both impaled by the spike. But then Quan Chi shows up and says to him, Dude, you failed me. But, just to let you know, it wasn't Sub-Zero that killed your family. I did. I disguised myself as Sub-Zero. So, you're useless. So, leaves him there. Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade go and help him fight... um, Kano, because Kano had Jax completely tied up, because Jax is still alive by this point, and his arms are completely sealed up. Well, lack thereof. And they have a big fight, and eventually ends with them subduing Kano, and then Jax, while they're taking him away, he's like, hold up, and then stomps on Kano, I guess, killing him. One thing that surprised me, I mean, it surprised me in modern cinema, was that Sony originally went in there by herself and fought off all the creatures. One of the creatures was, um, what's his name? The half-man, half-horse with the horns. Oh, uh, Motaro. Yes. He was yes. there. And the thing is, she got, she was doing good for herself, and then she got her ass kicked, and guess who came in for the save? Johnny Cage. A white man! A w- straight A white straight man. white man came in for the save. I'm like, oh, shit! That oh. was kind of surprising. You don't see that every day anymore. That's almost yeah. considered forbidden. This is toxic uh, masculinity at its full force. What is going on here? A woman being saved by the white man? Oh, straight white man. Gotta keep that in mind. So anyways, they walk away. And obviously, Scorpion is hearing his son and him in a memory with the, the whole why are Scorpion so resilient, blah, blah, blah. So Liu Kang and Goro have their main fight, and it looked like Liu Kang was really doing well against Goro, except that Goro just comes back and just completely obliterates Liu Kang, and it looks like he's about to kill Liu Kang. Then out of nowhere, a spike goes right through Goro's head, yanks out his skull, it's Scorpion. Completely killing him. Now, while all that's going on, Shang Tsung knew of Quan Chi's deviance and knew what he was doing. He was trying to get the key to uh, free Shinnok, and he's like, I ain't going to let you get away with this. And then once uh, Scorpion killed Goro, that was when there was like a conflict of interest. Like, is he going to help Quan Chi? Is he going to help the Earth Realm Warriors? Is he going to help Shang Tsung? This is any other. So Shang Tsung basically says, okay, now you got to fight Liu Kang because this will help me win. And then Scorpion... Looking like he's about to fight Liu Kang, that's when the thought of, eh, you always have a choice. There's always another choice. Because he thinks that he has no choice but to fight Liu Kang so he can get his family back or whatever the hell or get another chance at life. But then when he realizes there's another choice, he grabs Shang Tsung and yields to Liu Kang. So that means that Earth Realm technically wins. And so... There was a big battle between uh, Scorpion and Quan Chi because Shang Tsung runs away. So does Raiden and uh, Liu Kang. Scorpion and Quan Chi have their big battle. Scorpion basically beats Quan Chi, revenges his loss, and then goes away. Last two scenes that we see are all the guys in the boat. And Johnny Cage is like asking for a hug and Sonya basically gives him the hug and Jax is Jax is like well she didn't kick you in the nuts right and he's like well yeah she did because there was two instances in the movie that she kicked him in the nuts for being a jackass Liu Kang basically is distraught because he feels like he failed Earthrealm even though they ended up winning he's like if it weren't for Scorpion this and the other and Raiden's like you don't understand your destiny wasn't to beat Goro your destiny is to defeat Shao Kahn and the last scene is we've got 
Shang Song pleading that, oh, we had everything according to plan, but Raiden kept interfering and Scorpion this and the other. And then you see Shao Kahn and he just basically says, we're going to take over Earthrealm once and for all credits roll. Ah, this is way better than the 2021 movie that we watched. <laughs> way better. Because at least they respected the material a little bit more. They allowed Goro to kick some ass before killing him. There was no, uh, what was the, uh, the, the descendant of Scorpion? John Cole? There was no John Cole here. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't. Cole Young. Cole Young, whatever the fuck. J- Dumb Cole, Michael Cole, Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> Not King Cole. Yeah, King Kong. <laughs> but yeah, I think definitely, I would actually recommend this movie first before I recommend any live action movies. If you want a basic summary idea of what Mortal Kombat is, plus it helps that it's super violent, and that was that was a big gimmick to the game when it first came out. And yes. you kind of got a good idea of basically who everyone is. Yeah. The only characters in this that were not in the first game were Quan Chi and Katana. That I and I think you mentioned Motaro Baraka. Yeah, because I think Quan Chi. I could be wrong. You correct me. I think he first came in in Mortal Kombat Mythology's game with Sub Zero. Correct. I always thought that was an underrated game. Well, the problem with the game was that it was the controls were really wonky and all that stuff, but it was supposed to be literally a prequel to the whole entire Mortal Kombat franchise. It was like the beginning. Yeah. The very beginning of the timeline, so. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. This was a very violent film, so not for children, for sure. Oh, definitely not. I'm happy that, you know, WV Animation basically... I know they were working with another South Korean studio. I guess they wanted to get WB's blessing, and then they helped out. And then, you know, when they work together, you guys can make some magic. And I thought they did a very good job with uh, Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. You know, you had basically two storylines going on. You had the uh, the Earth Realm guys, Liu Kang. I always find it weird that Liu Kang was kind of like, almost like a supporting player in this... The same way he was a supporting character in the 2021 movies. I always consider him to be like the guy of the entire franchise. Maybe that's me. He should be. Yeah, no, he's supposed to be. He's the savior of Earthrealm. Yeah. He's, the he's to me, the guy of the entire franchise. And then with all these other supporting characters, it all just comes together. But I, I remember I brought, the, I brought this up to you a while back. I just feel like Scorpion just had a resurgence in popularity over the past couple years. Which is why I think his name was in the title. And I like Scorpion. I like Hanzo Asashi. I like Scorpion, but I was always a reptile guy. Love reptile. <laughs> you love reptar. Reptar, reptar. Gotta find that reptar. But with reptile, there's more of him, right? It's not just one, right? Supposed to be more, yes. But it shouldn't be the shitty-ass fucking reptile that we got here. It's supposed to be a ninja. Just saying. But yes. This was definitely fun. So your thumbs are way up for this one? Hell yes. Well, I'm glad to hear that, because I knew I saw it once this came out, I figured, well, I know you're a Mortal Kombat guy. I got to get you to watch this. Yes, this was very fun. I will give you that. You know what? I keep forgetting. There was two other ninjas that I completely forgot about. Noob Saibot, which is supposed to be a black ninja, and Smoke, which is supposed to be a green ninja. And actually... I didn't know this till much later, but Smoke is supposed to be a reincarnation of the original Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat 1. Because the Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat 1 gets killed by Sub-Zero, or uh, Scorpion. And then he gets reincarnated into Smoke. Hmm, that's interesting. Yes. But, what we just saw was just part one of the sequel we're going to be reviewing next. I believe it's called Battle of the Nether Realms, or Battle of the Realms. Okay. And of course, with that ending, we saw Shao Kahn, so you know he's going to be involved. So yes. I feel like we're going to almost get a retelling of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, just the way it's supposed to be told. Yeah, the next one's called Mortal Kombat Legends uh, Battle of the Realms. Okay. Hopefully it's as good as this. I'm assuming the animation is at least on par. 
yeah, the animation's the same, same director, same writers, uh, same voice actors. Seems like everybody comes back. Yeah, if, if, if Warner Brothers, you said this is Warner Brothers animation. Yes. I may want to watch some of those Batman animation movies because if they're made by the same people, god damn, they did a pretty good job with the animation here. It was pretty intriguing. Yeah, I I think like I said, I, you know, just because I watch all their animation movies, I've always enjoyed the um, WB's animations. Even their straight to DVD, I just feel like they have more creative freedom with the stories they want to tell. And of course, you know, they're all different. Some of them are sequels. They try to do their own little DC universe with them as well. It's kind of hard to keep up only because they're so, they come out with like two or three every year. And you don't know if it's supposed to be part of the universe or it's just like a separate story on its own. But they do a lot of that. And it's always and it's still always fun to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see if I can watch some of those Batman animated stuff because they did pretty well here. Yep, so uh, your thumbs are up with this, my thumbs are up with it, and we'll be back with our next review, which will be Mortal Kombat Legends uh, Battle of the Realms, which came out one year later in 2021, so they're probably working on so they probably had an idea what they wanted to do with their movies, and they basically worked them all at the same time. And all the characters come back, and I'm seeing here that uh, Shinnok is in this one as well, Kung Lao. Okay, yes, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> Jade, of course, Scorpion. So we're gonna this because this is gonna be fun. Shang Tsung, Jax looks like he might have. I've seen this one a while back. I don't know why I can't remember it, but um, I can't wait. So I'm really looking forward to this review. So far, we're off to a good start with this animated universe with Mortal Kombat, and we're gonna see where this goes from here. Definitely, I can't wait. Well, uh, any final thoughts before I wrap this one up? Uh, it's very violent. It's uh pretty respectable to the franchise of Mortal Kombat and uh, yeah I think we should heavily consider calling this Fractured Woke Skulls because that's all we do now. Rip on woke culture. <laughs> Fracturing the woke skulls. Yes. Well that's going to do it for this episode. For Monoxide I'm Terminator Travis. Get over here! Toasty!